The ASX soars past 7,000. Let's have a look. Hello everyone, I'm Florian Heiser and welcome to another episode of Heiser Says. Looks like the ASX 200 has soared to the highest level ever over 7,000. Now, before we go through this article, let's have a look. You know, because you'll hear this all the time in the news and some people don't understand what is actually meant by the ASX soaring past 7,000, what they're talking about. They're talking about an index and they're talking about this index here, the S&P slash ASX 200 index. And let's, let's just go through so everyone knows what it is. The S&P, Standard & Poor, ASX 200 index is the benchmark institutional investable stock market in Australia comprising the 200 largest stocks by float-adjusted market capitalization. Essentially, float-adjusted market capitalization is the taking into account the stocks that are locked up, they're taken off. So a company, say a company has a million stocks, but 200,000 of them can't be traded. Those are dismissed from the total number of stocks that they have. It is one of the number of indices published by S&P, Dow Jones, on Australian markets called the S&P ASX family of indices, but is considered the main benchmark of that group. So the S&P ASX 200, which I'm just going to refer to the ASX 200, is designed to measure the performance of the 200 largest index eligible stocks listed on the Australian Securities Exchange by float adjusted market capitalization. Index constitutes constituents are drawn from eligible companies listed on the ASX. Companies have to be listed on the ASX to be included, but these can either be either primary or secondary listings. A secondary listing is that by a company which has its primary listing in another country or in another exchange. All common and preferred stocks are eligible for inclusion, but hybrid stocks, securities that have some fixed income characteristics, are not. So what is the importance of this? The rationale behind using float-adjusted market capitalization is to have a benchmark index that is tradable, thus suitable for use as a benchmark by large institutional asset managers. Stocks that have low free float, i.e. they are thinly traded, are hard to trade and not considered appropriate for inclusion in benchmark indices at their total market capitalization. Only stocks that are regularly traded are eligible for inclusion to ensure that the index is liquid. The index publisher, S&P Dow Jones, thus describes the S&P ASX 200 as being the preeminent Australian benchmark because it represents liquidity and tradability. The index was launched in April 2000 and is rebalanced quarterly to ensure the stocks included in the index meet the eligibility criteria. Despite the inclusion of 200 stocks, the index is dominated by large companies. And that, that's that's really just a sign of our economy. And I bet you, can you get which, what some of those large companies are, guys, before we go into the article? Maybe let us know in the comments below. As of June 2014, uh, 2019, the largest 10 stocks in the index accounted for over 44% of the index's value. Five of these 10 stocks were from banking groups and financials in total accounted for just under a third of the index. I mean, that alone should be a worrying consideration for all of us. The second largest sector was materials at 19%. In July 2019, the index 
had a trailing price to earnings ratio of 17.9 and a dividend yield of 4. Was it negative 4 or approximately 4? So there are a number of exchange traded funds and exchange traded notes based on the ASX 200. But that gives you an understanding of what it is and well, who the major players are in that index. It's, it was a lot worse than I actually thought it was. I knew the banks were pretty big, a pretty big portion of it, but not that high. So let's have a look. The ASX soars past 7,000 points and Wall Street wavers over the US-China trade deal. So Australia's share market has jumped to its highest level ever, exceeding the 7,000 point milestone for the first time. This was despite a lukewarm lead from Wall Street after the United States and China signed their long-awaited Phase 1 trade agreement. So by 1 a.m., uh, 1 p.m., the ASX 200 had lifted by 0.6% to 7,035. And let's jump over to another one of my favorite websites, TradingView. And we can see here, what am I pulling? I'm putting up daily. Let's go to, let's go to the one-minute chart. And we can see we're here at 7,035. And we'll go back to 45 minutes. So yeah, so she's climbing up. You can see, look at that jump from the 3rd of January to today. There you have it. A big climb. Let us know in the comments if anyone's taken advantage of this. And if you've done well, you know, good on you. I'll raise a, raise a stein to you. Good work. The broader All Ordinaries Index, meanwhile, was up by a similar level to 7,153. Also a record high. The gains build on a strong start to 2020. The ASX has been the best performing developed economy market since the year began, having surged 5.3% over the past fortnight. But we can see, judging by our understanding of what are the major players, a big portion of it is dominated by the finance, the banks. A big portion is dominated by the resource sector. So if the China-US trade deal, if it, you know, even if phase one is just a return to status quo, and considering, considering how much of our exports head over to China, and I keep bringing up trading economics instead of the Observatory of Economic Complexity. I mean, this is 2017 data, but it's still useful for you to get an understanding. If we scroll down here to look at the destinations, see how much of our trade heads over to China. Even if US goes to status quo, that should be good. For a lot of these businesses that are on the stock exchange, you know, the banking sector and the resource sector. But, but will that flow through to the rest of the economy? Will that forestall a potential recession here in Australia? And is the market just leaping at any signs of optimism because the cash rate is just so spectacularly low that there's very little incentive to save keep your money in cash or in certain um, returns so you're it's flooding this the market are we getting it is it overheating is it artificially higher than it should be because of this artificially low rate just an idea guys let me know your opinion on it if you've got another another suggestion so i think part of the reason for the market rally is that investors are getting excited about the central bank easing again but not for the right reasons said peter stone's head of research chris weston the Reserve Bank has aggressively cut interest rates to historic lows over the past few months in an attempt to stimulate Australia's slowing economy. As a consequence, Australians have been earning less interest on their savings, not much better than 0%. So in the hopes of earning a decent return elsewhere, they've increasingly 
been investing in the share market, driving its value to overstretched proportions, according to Mr. Weston. So pretty much what I was just suggesting. So perhaps it could be people are anticipating this February rate cut. So they're pumping money into shares, hoping that because there'll be even a more aggressive rate cut, more money will flow into the market. Could that be what it is? It, it sounds like a, a very, really, quite a risky approach, doesn't it? I mean, you'd, you'd have to... You'd have to not be very risk-averse to, to go down that path, guys, would you? So fading level of excitement. Wall Street briefly hit record highs after the preliminary trade deal was signed by U.S. President Donald Trump and China's Vice Premier Li Hu, Li He, on Wednesday morning, local time. But the major indices pulled back after that as investors got over their initial excitement. The S&P 500 and Nasdaq briefly fell into the red in afternoon trade, but managed to recover by the closing bell, posting a 0.2 and 0.1% gain, respectively. The Dow Jones index closed 0.3% higher at 29,031 points. We had a historic signing, but there is nothing in there that was fresh. So I think the theme is going to be corporate earnings, said Alan Bakos, Managing Director of New Vines Capital. The centerpiece of this preliminary trade deal is a pledge by China to buy an extra $200 billion worth of U.S. farm products and other goods and services over two years. Although the U.S. agreed to roll back some of its punitive tariffs, the vast majority on $250 billion worth of Chinese goods will remain, as Mr. Trump wants to use that as leverage when negotiating a more substantial phase two deal with Beijing later this year. U.S. markets were also dragged down by financial heavyweights Bank of America and Goldman Sachs after they announced disappointing quarterly results. And we're starting to see here, well, at least in the retail sales, because, you know, I spoke earlier today about disappointing results being announced there because of the bushfire and the drought. So when we start seeing that flow through to other sectors, do you think that will affect? Do you think we'll stay over 7,000 or it'll head down? So Bank of America Corp reported a better than expected quarterly profit, but warned of wheat weak net interest income in the first half of this year. Goldman Sachs reported a bigger than expected slide in profits as it set aside another $1.1 billion money to cover legal costs relating to the 1MDB Malaysian corruption scandal. I'm not familiar with that. Maybe I need to have a look at it. So the US-China trade tensions will return. Meanwhile, oil prices slid on doubts the much-hyped trade pact will spur the economic growth and boost demand for crude. However, gold prices rose as details of the U.S.-China deal failed to soothe investors' concerns about future trade conflicts, particularly since the Trump administration had not completely removed its tariffs on Chinese goods. Since this deal is only a truce without cutting import tariffs materially, the impact is limited, said ANZ economist Hayden Dimes. A Phase 2 negotiation will track the progress of Phase 1. Uncertainty remains. And we have to remember, guys, every time, you know, every time, at least we got the deal now. The Americans have the deal, but every time there was a deal, the market responded. The S&P 500 in the U.S. shot up. So is that what we are seeing here in Australia? And let's jump back here. It's wanting me to sign into my, <laughs> my um, trading view. Let's have a look here at it. And we can see where it's sitting 
right now. I mean, there you go. 7,035.4. I think I'll, I'll make a nice thumbnail picture. So let me see. Let, let us know in the comments what you all think, where you think it's headed. Have you taken advantage of this? Have you, have you, you know, made some money and taken profit out? Or are you just going to ride it and expect it to shoot up because of interest? And what else? What other reasons why? Thanks for watching, guys. Please like, share, and subscribe to the channel. If you're a fan and want to help us produce more, you can support us on Patreon with a small monthly donation. You can also become a member of the channel here on YouTube and get access to badges and emojis. We have affiliate links with Independent Reserve for our crypto traders and for Amazon and eBay for your consumer purchases. We also have a Brave browser referral link. So if you use the Brave browser, you can send us some bad token using that link. Also, we have access to our very own pocket squares handmade here by Rachel and PayPal if you want to make a donation that way. Thanks to everyone who's helped support the channel. Have a great day and I will talk to you all later today. Bye for now.